Support for Radioactive's Punk Rock Farmer comes from Go Biochar. The following program was pre-recorded. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders weeknights at 6. I'm Laura Jones, and on Friday, it is Punk Rock Farmer Friday with Aldine Strick 9. Hey, Al. Hey, it's great to be here. So the weather's being pretty nice. Your garden is popping, I'm guessing. Popping, and the stuff I planted in the spring is now wanting to be covered with shade cloth. (laughs) (laughs) And you've also played music live since I saw you last. We did. We played at the VFW. um, We played at the VFW uh, last Friday, and man, it was really good. Little Jerry Cochran sat in with us. Oh, Jerry. And we, we had a great, great time. Really, really great. So what's coming up on the show tonight? So on the show tonight, Diana Law's with us, and she was just in town and did a workshop at... uh, Green Thread Herbs, and I was lucky enough to have her come, and and we did a little tour of the backyard and stuff. She came over, and we had some soup that I'm choice soup I made from the uh, Farmer John cookbook. It's one of my favorite recipes. So we got to talk a little bit, and uh, she's going to talk about Beltane and uh, the hawthorn tree and how that uh, ties in. Very cool. We got some tips on where to put your garden from James Loomis. Al and I wrote a column for Slug Mag Online. And we're going to share some of his audio from that because we couldn't fit it all into the column. He's got some great tips on how to take a look at your what, you're, what you got to work with and pick a place to plant some things. So stick around for that. And from that same column, a few tips on tools from Katie Nelson of Green Urban Lunchbox. And we've got Skywatcher Leo T. Poetry Still Happens. Trish Hopkinson from Rock Canyon Poets has brought us a great one from a Utah poet by the name of Sonny Wilkinson that blends um, that blends the garden and foster care and a look back at the year that shall not be named. Plus, Amy May of Tree Utah is back because tomorrow 105 trees, at least from KRCL supporters, are going in the ground at the Day Riverside Library, and she'll catch us up on that, Al. Plus, Skywatcher Leo T., but let's start with some fresh homegrown music from uh, one of our favorites. From one of our favorites, Sammy Bruce here, and super exciting. We get, he's letting us debut the song before it comes out for the new record. And uh, thanks for coming on, Sammy, and thanks for giving us the first crack at this. This is a really great opportunity. Yeah, thank you guys for doing it. I'm too excited for you guys to hear the song. <laughs> oh, I got it. I I listened to it before. <clears throat> the the show world is very good. It's very blistering, and it's. <laughs> I think it's a, a more aggressive sound than you've done in the past. So tell us what's changed, because I hear you got some new folks you're playing with too. Yeah, pretty much. I got my uh, good friends Land Landon Gwynn and Kip Congo. It's just gonna be me and those two: guitar, bass, drums, screaming. Uh, dancing and that's pretty much going to be the vibe for this new band it's just going to be called brew you know i want it to be more of a community and not about one person when it comes to a show uh you know just one of the side effects of the pandemic i guess uh very cool yeah very cool little growth and uh power trio that sounds good i'm I'm excited (laughs) well as soon as we can get bands back in the studio live you're top of the list sammy brew i hear you've also left your your label so what's happening on the back end so to speak of being a musician for you these days um you know a lot of struggling, but, you know, I was doing that on the label, too, so it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> you now have complete control. I Yeah, I can pretty much uh, mess around and do whatever I want now, and I'm looking forward to taking f- full advantage of that. 
So where can people catch up with you, learn more about this new release that we're about to play, find out where your uh, small shows are happening across the Wasatch Front? Uh, go to Brew Band on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we'll, we'll be putting everything up there for now. Uh, we don't have a website yet, but we're working on that. So, Sammy, tell us before we get into this, what was the motivation for this song, Eyes on the Prize? I... Uh, it's pretty much trying to just keep myself going, I guess, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> and if anyone else can feel, if it makes them feel that way, uh, then that's awesome. This is Sammy Brew, unreleased songs. You heard it first right here on KRCL 90.9 FM. This one is Eyes on the Prize. from Sammy Brew, Eyes on the Prize on Radioactive. I, that was a little unexpected, but it really hit right right to the right spot for sure. Oh, man. We'll talk more with Sammy Brew coming up. You're listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones in studio with Aldine Strickland, KRCL's punk rock farmer. A little 
put back, I think, there on your heels. Is that what you were expecting I mean, from Sammy Fruit? I, I, I didn't expect a punk rock song, no, but uh, <laughs> but you know me. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. There's a, perfect. All right, time for some rallies and resources. And coming up, you know what starts tomorrow? The Red Butte plant sale is going on. And uh, you just go on their website to sign up for a time to go and check out all the perennials and vegetables, et cetera, if you need to get those in your, in your garden. Uh, they got you taken care of with plants that uh, are perfect for this high desert. So do check that out. It's also posted in rallies and resources at krcl.org under the Community Affairs tab. Something else, if you're looking for, to get on your bike, it is Bike Month, Al. And on Tuesday, May 11th, you can walk, bike, tour Rose Park and the Fair Park Neighborhood Byway with SLC Moves. Do uh, They just got to bring your own bike. So check that one out on Rallies and Resources, too. On Wednesday, May 12th, it's that Build Bikes for Kids in Salt Lake City. It's for the students of Mary W. Jackson Elementary. It's happening at Squatters Pub. You just need to sign up for a volunteer slot. No, you do not know. You do not need to know how to turn a wrench, Al. You can go and help them uh, fold boxes and all that stuff as they get all these bikes put together. Again, that is on rallies and resources at krcl.org. And then lastly, just want to get it on your radar, everybody. Saturday, May 15th, Living Traditions Festival, noon to six at Washington Square. It's a little different this year. In 2021, the in-person Living Traditions Festival will feature a series of free events and large late night video projections, they say, all of which will be presented at various outdoor locations throughout Salt Lake City. The events will kick off at Washington Square beginning May 15th and continue through the rest of the month and into June. Featured throughout the month will be the Chase Home Museum in Liberty Park on May 22nd, the Gateway on May 23rd, the International Peace Gardens at Jordan Park on May 29th, and then the festival will come to a close on June 26th at Washington Square with, quote, a taste of living traditions. So in addition to the in-person components of living traditions, there'll be digital streaming available for viewers who are unable to attend in-person events. So for more information on Living Traditions, including the festival and the Living Legacy video series, folks, visit the Living Traditions Presents page on the Salt Lake City Arts Council website or follow the festival's social sites at SLC Living Trad. And now for some special guests for rallies and resources. We got some tips for your garden coming up. But first, Amy May of Tree Utah was with us for Arbor Day last week. Uh, she wasn't able to join us for the show, so I pre-recorded, but this whole show is pre-recorded. So it's a pre-record of a pre-record. <laughs> Roll with it, folks. Um, tomorrow, 9 to noon, the trees that KRCL supporters donated during Radiothon are going in at the Day Riverside branch. Here's my conversation with Amy May. Caught up with her in the field earlier today. I'm at Evergreen Park in Mill Creek. Um, this is actually a Salt Lake County park where I've been walking through and finding spots for 20 new trees, including evergreens, which you'd be surprised. Evergreen Park does not include evergreens currently. So we'll put some in next Friday. And uh, just going through and preparing since it is the 75th anniversary of this park's um, existence and it was the first Salt Lake County Park ever. So it's kicking off kind of a year of extra tree plantings in county parks for that 75th anniversary. That's huge. The county parks, yeah. there's so many of them. And it's your tax oh. it's your tax dollars at work, folks, plus partnerships with folks like Amy May at Tree Utah to keep the trees coming out of the ground. Uh, I wanted to talk to you today though about what's happening tomorrow. Uh, on the banks of the Jordan River near the Day Riverside branch of the Salt Lake City Public Library with KRCL. Who, what, where, when, why, Amy? 
<laughs> so we'll be there from nine until noon. And we've got a bunch of trees that were donated as part of the partnership with KRCL. KRCL listeners always come through and help plant more trees with Tree Utah. And we're really grateful for that. It's a way to have your donation to KRCL go that much further for the community and you can come and enjoy that planting if you'd like or if you can't make it we'll plant the trees for you and you'll know that they're where they are along the Jordan River Um, we've got an eco garden space there which is a permaculture orchard with a bunch of fruit trees and what we're doing is planting fruit natives um, between the orchard space and the river to kind of revegetate that area add to kind of the overall feel of of you know, a food forest right there behind the library for folks to enjoy who live in that neighborhood and um, and who come to events and help us maintain the site. And then, um, yeah, just really like have some natives along the river that filter into the fruiting area where the orchard is. Given COVID, this is not a call for people just to show up. It's a call to go to treeutah.org and sign up for a volunteer slot, right? That's right. We've got a volunteer waiver and that helps us know how many people to expect and keep our numbers appropriate. Um, we this year have not been opening up our events very far in advance for people, but we do have new events each week that show up on our calendar at treeutah.org slash events and um, on our Facebook page. But with um, so few events going on, we have had a couple of events where we had far more people show up than we um, knew what to do with and could really manage and socially distance with. So we're um, doing the best we can and we're really grateful for all of the support and interest with folks. This will be a really fun one too. We've got, because of a partnership with Dominion Energy and the Arbor Day Foundation, they will be giving away blue spruce seedlings as well to everyone who shows up. So everyone who volunteers with us will be able to go home with a blue spruce seedling for their own yard if they would like to care for that. And people can stop by and um, we're partnering with Hogle Zoo volunteers as well to be there and help hand out the trees into the community and, and just help get as many trees planted as possible after that huge storm last September. So folks, I'm going to go on tonight and sign up so I can go and volunteer appropriately so Amy knows I'm coming. But what do I need to do to uh, prepare myself? Do I need to bring a shovel? Do I need to bring gloves? So we will bring shovels and washed gloves and um, a whole sanitation station, extra masks if you forget. Please plan to wear a mask. It's hard to distance when we're all gathering together, putting these trees in the ground. And we will have all the tools that you need. If you want to bring your own shovel, you're welcome to. I would definitely recommend long pants, closed-toed shoes, um, sun protection, I'm always a big fan of my hat. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll just, we'll have a few snacks and we'll have a water refill station. But if you bring your own water bottle, that's best. Um, and we'll just, we'll go from there and have a great time. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much. And that's Amy May of Tree Utah. Don't forget, treeutah.org is where you sign up so they know you're coming. They can prepare for you. And yes, like we said, wear your mask, closed toe shoes. Don't show up in, you know, flip flops if you're going to be putting a shovel in the ground, folks. That's on you. Um, and then we wanted to share some of our conversation that we had in preparation for our Slug Mag article, uh, Al, from James Loomis. You know, did you know where to put your garden the first time you went out and put something in the ground? Not the very first time, but that was one of the first things that I, I learned from Wasatch Community Gardens many, many years ago is the, you know, where the sun shines in your yard and where you have the most exposure and where your water is, you want it close, things like that. Here's James Loomis from Wasatch Community Gardens Green Phoenix Farm with some tips on where to place your garden. First and foremost, we want to be on the south 
side of a building if possible and uh east side is 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 also important now those are going to be the first the first two north side is going to be in shade all the time that's pretty much out and uh you know the west side if that's all you have that that's fine but that's just going to get beat by that hot afternoon sun whereas that eastern sides that soothing gentle sun and then of course now our garden's in the shade when we get off work when we're most of the time playing in it so so that's a real urban environment. And funny enough, my house was oriented north to south. And I've had the best luck on the front side of my house because there's nothing obstructing it. So really, you're looking at the sun and the shade, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, for people who are shopping for a home who want to consider long-term gardening, yeah, that, that southern exposure is what you what you want. Okay, so what else am I looking at in terms of water drainage and those options? Well, I mean, first and foremost, water access, right? If I have a faucet on the east side of my house, but not on the south side, man, let's make it easy and let's start gardening on that east side. So for me, access is also a big consideration because, you know, I want, it, I want my garden to be somewhere I like to be and somewhere I walk through and I spend time. You know, that old adage, the, you know, the best fertilizer is the farmer's shadow or whatever that old <laughs> old saying is you okay. know just just being there and having having the access you know that's that's super important um you know that does get us into a bit of soil type like you mentioned drainage you know most of our vegetable plants like evenly moist well-drained soil but honestly you, you, you get what you get you don't throw a fit it's an urban environment it's, it's your yard do you have some soil? High five self. Let's grow in it. You know, is it is it is it nasty and, and rocky and um, maybe not the best to grow in? Well, now let's let's build a garden box and let's grow up. Or um, pots on the deck. Pots on the deck. Totally. I mean, to me, most the most, you know, the, 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 the best benefit of gardening is just interacting with the plants and, and you're going to get a huge <clears throat> mental health benefit and physical health benefit from just tending a few pepper plants in pots on your porch. Like even though you might not get a huge yield, you're still going to reap all that benefits of interacting with the plants. And if you only, uh, if you only have access for a few plants on the patio, I highly recommend hot peppers for my hot pepper people. Because a few hot peppers go a long way. You can make some hot sauces and ha have something that really lasts. So that gardening experience now like carries that good mojo into the uh, wintertime. So one last question about sun exposure. How much is too little and how much is too much in terms of hours of sunlight? You know, uh, full sun, quote unquote, is at least six hours of sun a day. So as we, you know, you're, 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 you're watching that spot, kind of see what time it comes into sun, see what time it goes into shade. And of course that changes with the seasons. Um, Google earth is a really great tool. You can actually click a little sun icon in there, enter the date and track where that sun and shade will be. Uh, different times of the year. So super handy. Too much. Um, it's really hard to have 
too much, but if, if, if we're getting, you know, the only time it starts to be too much is just getting a lot of that hot evening sun. That's just really going to mean we're, you know, taking a little more water in the plants and they're just, you know, taking a little bit of a more brutal sun time. That's a great tip on Google. Any other resources you want to direct people to on picking a spot? Honestly, this is going to sound a little woo, but you're, you're your own best uh, you're, you're your own best guide here. Go out, feel it out. Like what, and, 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 and from a permaculture perspective, where are the plants already growing in your yard and doing well? So consult the existing plant life. That's often where you're, you know, that's probably your best resource. And that's James Loomis of Wasatch Community Gardens. So Al, we have a, a, a bit more time here and I wanted to share another clip uh, of an interview that we did for our Slug Mag article. So you remember Katie Nelson, our friends over at Green Urban Lunchbox? Of course. She's got some tips on tools, especially if you're a beginning gardener. Uh, here's Katie Nelson from Green Urban Lunchbox. And I always come back to my number one tool is really basic. It's a shovel. That's all you need. If you had a shovel, you could accomplish so much because not only does it dig holes and all of that stuff and get weeds out, but you can also cut stuff with a really sharp shovel, which is super handy um, when you're out in the field and you don't want to run and grab a scissors. A shovel will do the trick. <laughs> that's yeah, the, that's, so that's my one. top one. Mm-hmm. What about I, what about gloves? Because you know I'm the kind of person that I hate flour on my hands when I live in cooking, so I stay away from it. But sometimes digging in the dirt can have a similar feel. So. You can go all leather. You can go all natural. What do you recommend for a good pair of gloves? Yeah, that's a good call. Um, so I actually gardened for years without gloves. I was like an anti-glove. Like I just really wanted to touch the soil. Um, and then I started encountering a lot of cat poop. So I started wearing gloves. Um, and I really like gloves that are breathable, but have like this really nice barrier on the palms and then the fingertips. So they're durable when you're digging. Um, IFA has some really good options and I can't tell you the exact brand, but they're kind of like, um, similar to gloves that you would find in a gas station where it's just like nice and kind of plasticky on one end and then cotton on the other side. Um, I don't like leather gloves. They're too bulky. So I really need the dexterity in my fingers when I'm doing stuff. So, um, bulky gloves can really limit that. What's your go-to shade effect for your own head? Yeah, I used to wear a big hat and now I'm just like ball cap. It's just nice and easy and um, keeps your face shaded. You can put your sunglasses on top of it when you're going inside in and out. That's what I go to. Now, maybe a lot of people wouldn't uh, think about their shoes, but if you actually have some uh, a, a patch of ground, and you're going to be walking in the dirt, and you want to go in there every day. Sometimes, you know, the shoes for your run aren't the best. Do you have a go-to pair of shoes for the garden? Like, that's yeah. my garden shoes? Garden shoes are great. I haven't really tried, like, the they're, like, real garden shoes or, like, clog style. I am partial to wearing sandals all summer long, even in the garden. So I like to wear Chacos. That's my go-to shoe for gardening. I rock them in the garden, on the streets, in the mountains. That's what I go to. Any hand tools? Like you can go nuts at the garden center, but is there like a go-to hand tool? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many neat tools out there. Um, a hand trowel, you can't go wrong with that. Again, you can do so much with a hand trowel. Um, we also just got this new tool. It's a, called a wire weeder and it's handheld. And that baby will just pull up all those small, little small weeds in between your onions or your lettuce. That's pretty great. I would definitely recommend that one. If you don't have drip and you don't have a hose that reaches all the way, What's your go-to water can? Is it metal? Is it plastic? Is it gigantic? Is it just enough? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Again, IFA coming in. I think um, Re Steve Regan also has these. They're a plastic uh, two-gallon watering can, but it's got a really nice big nozzle. So you get a good fan spray. Um, I think it's called Bloom. I want to say that's the brand because um, you can get some pretty bad watering cans and they just kind of like drip all over your seeds and pop them out of the ground. And then any tips on maintaining those tools or keeping them clean? Just rinse them off with the water or, you know, your shovel can get pretty beat up. It gets pretty beat up. You know, I'm kind of similar. I like to just throw, I kind of abuse my tools, but it is good to really give them a nice washing and then let them air dry. And then it's, uh, you can use like some linseed oil on the handles if they're wood. And that'll really maintain that integrity of those as well. Mm. Storm inside, not in the sun. And that is Katie Nelson, Executive Director of the Green Urban Lunchbox, a nonprofit in our community that helps folks grow food in urban spaces. Some great tips, Al, from Katie and from James. James, all good stuff and all good stuff really pertinent right now. You know, folks out there wanting to start that garden and get going. And there we have the information. So I got a bunch of my plants uh, and I'm just waiting for this this uh, temperature drop that's happening over the next couple of days to put them in. So I've cleared the ground and now it's a fight between whether my plants go in there first or the weeds come back. <laughs> up. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's so many weeds already. I've got to get out and cultivate. I haven't had time. I've been working a little too hard. If folks want to reach out and uh, share what they're doing in their yard, how can they get in touch with you, Al? They can find me at uh, Punk Rock Farmer on uh, Facebook, or you can send me a message at punkrockfarmer23 at gmail. At gmail.com. And of course, uh, bands, you got some new music? Send it that way as well. Definitely. We're always looking for music. We do music every week so that you do the math. That's a lot of bands every year. We've we've probably done over 300 or so. In the years we've been doing it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, you can always find local music on KRCL, but we also recommend the Hum Here Utah Music digital uh, catalog with Salt Lake City Public Library, slcpl.org. And that wraps our rallies and resources. Hope to see you at the tree planting tomorrow. Sammy Brew is with us. We just heard a brand new song at the top of the show. And Sammy, you're without a label these days. You've gone solo in more ways than one, it sounds like. But I know it's been a tough year. I think we talked to you last in July from your backyard. COVID was cramping your style. Anything you want to say or share about the state of the, of the world, Sammy? I'm just too excited to get concerts going again. That's that's about all I can say. Uh, concerts were kind of everyone's therapy, and I think we can all agree with that. Um, but, you know, things are looking up, and that's all we can ask for. At least we're still not in the middle of it. Sammy Brew with Gravity, fresh and homegrown, KRCL 90.9 FM. I can't help but question the path I never chose 
When the greater order gets to me, I wipe it off my nose. I love the joy that's all around me. I love this creaky town. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and all month long, KRCL brings you Mental Health Mondays with tips and resources from local experts. Join us for the month as we help raise awareness about mental health. Find a list of resources at krcl.org. Support for KRCL comes from the Ute Land Trust, whose mission is to help heal people, community, and the world around us. More information at utelandtrust.org. Hi, I'm Trish Hopkinson, and this is Poetry Still Happens, brought to you by Rock Canyon Poets and KRCL's Radioactive, with a dose of poetic distraction from our own Utah poets. Enjoy! The Year We Considered Foster Care by Sunny Brown Wilkinson. Epigraph. Consider how some of these character traits are demonstrated in your own family and what you might do to further develop them. Email from Utah Foster Care. One. Willing to help not just a child, but that child's family. In spring, in the new house, we study the yard, then take down the evergreen, Harbinger of needles and shadows, curtains of green falling, then sunlight, soil. 2. Able to offer love without expecting it in return. I plant lavender, coral bells, impatience, butterfly bushes, late start, new roof, nails, shingles. So I delayed, but I'm trying. 10 bags, soil pep. 16 by 16 fertilizer, $240 at Loman View Nursery, Carpathian Harebell, Japanese Maple, Baby's Breath, Every Gift from Mother's Day, Mud on my knees, between my toes, my breasts, when I remove my bra, sweat-soaked and yellowed to bathe, but three, don't take the child's misbehavior personally. March pandemic, April, earthquake, May through August, drought, September, windstorm. Whatever rises thrives for a week, maybe two, then withers. Soon we're back to blank dirt, the wind and heat having licked all moisture from the earth. Four, have no expectations. Children have their own path and a right to determine who they will become. In July, leaving a summit, my friend and I find an owl on the ground, disguised as a pine cone. I nearly step on it. Owl, we say, baby owl, and it opens its mouth to mule when we get close. Ragged wing, and we wing under it a napkin, head to wildlife rehab. The owl's tucked into itself, tiny storm of gold and dirt, twig and wood. When we stroke it, Its mouth gapes, snake-like, minus the fangs. I'm oddly afraid. There, we step from the car and the owl flies off. Not hurt, but fledgling. The volunteer says, not owl, but poor will. It flies into a grove of oaks away from hands, and for the rest of the day, I think puzzled, poor will, poor will, poor will. Five, able to make and keep commitments. Being committed to helping a child is more important than loving the child. 
early fall, and my sons and I kneel in a country of dirt, dig 74 craters six inches deep, drop a pale light wrapped in husky skin in each. It's a faith six months long. I tell my six-year-old, trowel, not digger, tulip, not onion. He claims a spot and plants a cup, waters it, wears mud on his lips, cheek, hair until bath time, his face impossibly beautiful. No one can take him away. My heart is a cage. I want what stays. He says, I'll water my mud plant every day. I know and don't know if he knows nothing will ever grow there but mud. Six, have a good sense of humor. October, grasshoppers devour new blood leaves on the Japanese maple. I flick one from a stem too hard, and it bleeds itself out on the front porch. I feel guilty for two days, just trying to save what's finally growing. So many risks to harm. Nearly everything I've planted has died. My six-year-old digs up the cup, shrugs at the nothing that surfaced. Can I just play with the mud, he asks. He likes the sucking sound of the cup as it sinks and rises, sinks and rises. Poet Sunny Wilkinson. And this has been Trish Hopkinson with Poetry Still Happens. For past episodes, go to krcl.org, click on Community Affairs, then select Poetry. For more information on how you can participate and support the Utah poetry community, go to rockcanyonpoets.com. There's a star man waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks... Many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T. here. With the latest weather report from Mars and the Jezero Crater, the high temperature was 14 below, and the low was 111 below Fahrenheit. This is where the Perseverance rover is taking measurements in the northern hemisphere of Mars. Also in the sky, before dawn and peaking Thursday, but continuing for a few days in the eastern sky, some cosmic trails of the most famous comet streak across the early sky. Halley's, or Halley's, or Halley's Comet, as it is now called, made its last pass through the inner solar system in 1986. It's due back in the summer of 2061. But each time Halley sweeps around the sun, it leaves behind a dusty trail. Call it cosmic debris, if you will. That cosmic trail is called Eta Aquarid Meteor Shower, with 30 or more of these swift meteors hurtling across the night sky an hour. And we should have a good viewing this year because the moon is in a crescent phase. Get up about 3 a.m. if you really want to see them and head to the darkest spot you know. Look to the east. The streaks continue for another few days. Later in the morning, the crescent moon passes underneath the gas giant planets Jupiter and Saturn as those colorful orbs are seen in the early dawn again, early in the east. To many cultures, the mystical appearance of comets, meteors, and meteor showers were signs that something good or bad had happened or was about to happen. The arrival of a comet could herald the birth of a great figure, and some people have conjectured that the star in the sky which the Persian Magi followed to Bethlehem to see the newborn Jesus was actually a comet. Records of astronomical events and sky watching can be found in historical texts from the Far East, too. Ancient and medieval records from China, Korea, and Japan have been found to contain detailed accounts of meteor showers. 
Sometimes these different sources can be correlated, which has allowed astronomers to track, for example, the impact of Halley's Comet on ancient societies, both east and west. The accounts of meteor showers appear in the various spans of the Sioux and North American plains. The Sioux kept records called Winter Counts, which were a chronological pictorographical account of each year painted on animal skin. In 1984, Vondell Chamberlain listed the astronomical references for 50 Sioux winter counts, of which 45 plainly referred to an intense meteor shower during 1833-1834. So stay curious, enjoy the magic under the stars, and look up, look around, and get a little lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T with executive producer Laura Jones and Aldine, the punk rock farmer on KRCL. Support for KRCL comes from Go Biochar Soil Builder, a climate beneficial soil additive that can reduce water consumption for lawns and gardens. Orders and information at gobiochar.com. Thanks, Skywatcher Leo T. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, and at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown at 8, Friday Night Fallout with Keith and Nate at 10.30, Ken's Liquid Rhythms at 1 a.m., all of our programming, and the Radioactive Archives may be found online at krcl.org. And now it's time for Al District 9 and his Urban Farm Report and special guest, Diana Law, the Dianaverse School of Herbalism. So, Diana, you have Utah ties, and you come here from time to time, and we actually got to spend a little time together and tour the backyard at my house this time while you were here. But you did a a workshop at Green Thread Herbs over the weekend, uh, last weekend, and uh, just interested on how you got in touch with those guys. How did you you find them? Well, so I was coming into town to visit a friend, and I just – kind of emailed them out of the blue and said, Hey, you know, would you like me to teach a class at your store? And they said, yes. And, um, we've had a great relationship ever since. They're really great people over there. And, uh, green thread herbs is an apothecary, which means they're, they're giving out medicinal there. Um, you can purchase medicinal herbs there, correct? Correct. They also have classes and you can ask them about local plants or herb questions that you have. And you were you were talking uh, your your workshop had to do with Beltane and and the hawthorn tree which goes along with it. Uh, let's let's just go back and give a little history on um, on the pagan holidays because they kind of tie in with with Celts and Druids and and a little bit of everybody. The Romans are kind of tied in. And they take um, taking practices along the way, but. Um, Tell us a little bit about just kind of the history of paganism in a way. Um, So paganism is a really broad term for all of the pre-Christian religions uh, over in Europe and um, east of Europe also. Um, Beltane is a super ancient festival for fertility at the beginning of the growing year, like in spring. It's exactly halfway between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. Um, and it's kind of marked by the hawthorn tree because they would celebrate it when the hawthorn tree started blooming. And and um, the hawthorn tree the, is native to Utah. I, I, I never knew that. Yeah, there's different species all over the world. The one in Utah is called Washington hawthorn, even though it's native to Utah. I don't know who named it. 
Um, but you can find it out there flowering in your area. What do we use hawthorn for? So you can look at um, either magical properties or the medicinal properties. Um, the magical properties are it's considered a fairy tree. Um, they would often use hawthorn for the maypole, you know, that classic uh, maypole dance that they would do. Ah, uh, yes. The maypole. The flowers at the top. Yeah, the dance that got the Puritans all right. up in arms, right? <laughs> because it has some things to do with fertility, does it not? Ah, the fertility dance is what got them all crazy. I see. <laughs> but there's a exactly. little, there's a, you place the ring over the top of the tree. It goes in. Oh, I see what you're talking about I, now. <laughs> I think that's the way Diana explained it to me the other day. Oh, the more we advance, the less we are about anything but sex, it sounds like, Diana. <laughs> Well, but it was for the fertility of your crops and yeah. your livestock. So it was very important if you were living on the land. Um, and they weren't as, you know, they weren't as prudish as we are now. So, yeah, that, that maypole, of course, is the phallic um, symbol of the god. And then the ring of flowers that goes over it would symbolize the goddess. So it symbolized their union and the fertility of the, of the coming year. And and so we're 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 celebrating the growth of everything and the the big burst of spring and all the plants coming, and um, um, and the make the uh, we're doing a sprinkling for the May Queen as it may be as the Led Zeppelin guys told us <laughs> is that correct? right? Exactly. So they would they would pick a, a young girl who was coming of age and she would be the May Queen. And then um, in some groups, they would have like a deer hunt to pick the, the guy who represented the god. Um, so then um, they would go out in the fields and they would make love all night because they thought that um, showing their love for each other and their love for the land would be auspicious for the coming growing season. Whatever you think of pagan traditions or how we're mixing a lot of metaphors and music here, I like the notion that at this time of year, you're investing in this process, right? You're, you're, you're mindful of putting things in the ground and growing and being fruitful for your, your table, for your community. Right. Yes. Um, you know, the bees have a little... Uh, pollinating trips around all your plants and, and makes everything fertile. And that's where you're going to get your food from. So, um, yeah, they were very intentional about trying to create a good energy for that for the year. Not just making a trip to the, the pick and save or what have, or have you to, to get it. It was, it was connected. And I think that's one of the things that we've, we've lost in our current circumstances. And that over the last year, Diana, correct me if I'm wrong, COVID uh, has really brought back an intentionality whether we like it or not. Yeah, so many of the seed companies totally sold out of seed last year because so many people were starting gardens. And uh, let's go back to the the pagan idea and, and the just the general general um, just general thoughts about it. Fire, air, water, and earth. And the we're talking, you know, the the basic stuff here. And uh, spring is the spring. Beltane is surrounded around the fire and the rising of the energy. Exactly. It was a fire festival because the energy of the year is rising. So they would make bonfires um, that night. Everyone would put out their fires at their house. They would make bonfires in the fields. 
Um, they would drive their livestock through the smoke for to protect them from, um, they thought the, the fairies were really mischievous this time of year. Um, and then after the fires in the morning, when they had the embers, they would take those home and relight their hearth fires in their houses. And um, let's let's talk a little bit about you're you're an herbalist, and so let's go back to the hawthorn tree. And um, it has it has flowers, and it has some thorns, and it, so it's 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 nice, and it's prickly too. So. Um, and, and I'm just wondering a little more about it and how people can use it. And, you know, do you make a tea out of it? What do you do with it? Yeah, so it's in the rose family. And like a lot of those plants, it does have the thorns. Um, so it's considered protective um, as well. And the medicinal qualities that we use like more in modern life, um, it has an affinity for the heart. The bioflavonoids actually kind of help heal veins in the heart. Um, it increases oxygen. Excuse me, oxygen. Oxid, I can't say that word today. Oxygenation. Oxygenation. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, specifically in the heart, a lot of plants have an affinity for a certain organ in the body, and hawthorn has an affinity for the heart. It's used uh, to help heart health. Heart. My goodness. Heart health, the pectin in the berries later in the year helps improve digestion. The soluble fiber kind of helps clean out your intestines and your digestive system. Um, the only time I wouldn't recommend using it for somebody is if their heart issues are being treated with medications because you don't want to interfere with medications or congestive heart failure because it's just kind of beyond the scope of what a simple plant can do. Um, but yeah. you would gather the flowers and the leaves and the young twigs this time of year, and you can dry them and make tea. You could put them in what's called an oxymel, which is honey and vinegar, and that'll infuse into there over several weeks, and you can uh, drink that. You could make a cordial if you just straight up wanted to soak it in brandy and then uh, usually people will add honey to that too. That's called an elixir. So there's a variety of ways that you could use it. We're talking with Diana Law, Dianaverse School of Herbalism out of Seattle. She was in Salt Lake recently for a class on things that we're talking about and comes regularly to green. It's green thread herbal, right? So uh, green thread herb. There we go. Yeah, it's. She comes regularly to teach classes in conjunction with Green Thread Herbs up in the avenues of Salt Lake City. And I'm just kind of curious um, if COVID and all of those pressures, like you said earlier, all the seed companies have sold out. Have you found that people with this time on their hands that do have the time, realizing that not everyone got more time out of COVID, are more interested in this? Have you seen a rising interest along with Beltane in herbalism? Um, well, there's kind of been a steady increase in herbalism over the last several years. So I think it's it's kind of following along with that. People want to take more of their basic health into their own hands um, with simple, non-toxic remedies that they can do themselves. So I, I've seen an increase over the last several years, not just last year. Al and I are interested in food as medicine, and herbalism gets it right there. It gets it right there, and and it was it's funny you, you mentioned that because 
uh, we were in the backyard and and uh, Diana's friend Ben was there and Diana we started talking about food and we both got this big <laughs> smile on our faces and we and he's like let me capture that let me take a picture of that because you guys are beaming right now so we have that in common for sure and um, if there's a way yeah. to get uh, for energetic medicine to come in I think eating it is pretty good for <laughs> on my end of it. <laughs> Well, you are what you eat, so you want to put good stuff in there um, if you want to be healthy. And you you did uh, quite a few virtual things, and now you're you're kind of taking a break. You're going to take a breather for a minute. Uh, you did a lot of classes. You did um, a lot of things online, and I I think after a while it, it starts to wear on us, and maybe we're we're ready to get people back together. You probably are too. Yeah, it'll be nice to, I, I really enjoy teaching people in person. It's a lot more fun than looking at blank screens on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking forward to, to in-person classes again. So when is your next visit to Salt Lake and where can people find out more about your classes? Um, it's possible I'll be coming this summer because I might do a little workshop at um, Desert Moon down in Thompson Springs. They're going to have some kind of festival. But um, online, you can find me. I have, I have a website, dianaverse.org. And then my Instagram is dianaverse underline plant mysteries. And usually on Tuesdays, I do free little classes. So people might want to check that out. You mentioned, I just wanted to cycle back to how you're talking about using herbs. And if you're on certain medications, you know, you can't just go to the shop and start down in some herbs if you uh, are using different um, pharmaceuticals. What's your advice to folks in analyzing um, the herbs that could benefit them versus the medications they're on and how to maybe deconflict that, Diana? Yeah, um, it's good to do a little bit of research on um, how there can be conflict between the herbs and your medicines. If you're not really studying herbs and you're not like formally kind of in a class or something, you might want to make an appointment with an herbalist just to kind of check things out because sometimes they can conflict, um, especially certain herbs I know like St. John's wort or mushrooms can interfere with a lot of different medications. So you would want to be aware of that. Um, plants are pretty benign in general, but um, there are times that they're strong too. So uh, an herbalist can, or even sometimes a naturopath can help uh, guide you a little bit with that. What should I plant to uh, perhaps start my own herbal apothecary at home or my own tea garden? Gosh, there's so many choices. Um, but some of the favorites and, and like beginner or more basic ones could be like Calendula is really great for a lot of things. Um, a lot of your weeds are great, like the things that people are going out in their yard and trying to get rid of, like dandelions are fantastic. Um, planting probably grows in your area. That's really good. Um, I don't know if you guys get chickweed, but that's a really useful plant. Let's see. I'm trying to think because I'm not super familiar with your growing situation. Al could probably help me out with that a little bit. There's, um, I comfrey grows really well in my yard, and um, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, there's borage in my yard that grows on its own, and um, 
what else is really good and, and easy and just kind of comes up all the time. I have my my share oh, of purslane no. and bindweed <laughs> and all those wonderful herbs. That, a, I have a friend, my neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. Dean and Easy, the Urban Garden Company. He used to do a lot of the groundskeeping at the Capitol. And they were always pulling the purslane out, right? And folks were like, well, I'm just going to take this home and eat That's it. <laughs> bags and bags of it. But Diana, I was following you on Facebook the other day and saw that you were enjoying a, a walk along the Bonneville Shoreline Trail here in Salt Lake City while you were visiting. And uh, you were on a hike with a, another yeah. Utah integrative herbalist. And you guys were calling out what you could see. So I think that's one of the things to find out what will grow well. Go walk along the Bonneville Shoreline Trail and you're going to see all sorts of things. Ladyfinger, Astragalus, I'm not even sure I'm saying that right, Mountain Death Camas, Wild Parsley, um, all sorts of things that you were posting these beautiful pictures of, Diana. Yeah, and there's some great plant apps on the phones these days that will help you identify things. So it um, makes it a little easier while you're out there taking, taking your pictures and looking at things. Like we talked about last week with the uh, City Nature Challenge. iNaturalist. iNaturalist. Diana, one more time, what's your Facebook page and website? So my Facebook page is The Dianaverse, and my um, website is dianaverse.org. Well, thank you so much for giving us some more time today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Love it. Thanks, Jared. It was great to see you while you were here, and we'll hope, I hope you come back soon. Yes, and I definitely want to see you again when I come. Well, one last question. How was Al's soup? It was amazing. It was like <laughs> gourmet, gourmet food, yeah. Okay, Al, you're going to have to share the recipe. We, Thanks, Diana. It was uh, the choy soup, and it has ginger in it, and um, it has a sesame oil in it. So it's a little Asian. Choy, so bok choy? And, yeah, bok choy. And, and, and I garnished it with green onion from the garden and arugula flowers, and so it looked pretty, too. There you go. <laughs> awesome. And that's our show. We're going to go out the way we came in with fresh homegrown music from one of Utah's own. Sammy Brew, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Thank, thanks so much for coming on the show. So you got anything coming up that folks need to know about in terms of playing out um, or releases? Because we shared your new one at the top of the show. When are they going to be able to get that? We've just been uh, doing little shows here and there. Uh, just got off my label, so I'm pretty much trying to find my own groove in all of this. So it's it's just, you know, uh, all bootleg and all from the top of the head. <laughs> so so where, where, where are folks going to be able to find the, the record, though? Do you know? Uh, every, it's going to be out on Spotify and all the major streaming platforms, all that good stuff. So are you are you releasing this one yourself then? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. It's going to be my first official uh off-label release. Off-label, but what's your label going to be? <laughs> that's, that's like a conversation for years down the road. Right, right. <laughs> well, what's the website or social where folks can catch up and try and get that new one for themselves? Uh, just go on uh, SammyBrew.com or uh, Instagram, Facebook. We're, we're pretty good about putting everything up on there. This is Sammy Brew, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM with Teenage Mayhem.